This is the Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. As always, I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw, here today on a Monday. Uh, apologies for the delay getting this um, new episode to you guys, and today's show to you guys it was supposed to be last week. We had to delay it to this week. So this week, of course, we will be having two shows. First one, of course, today on Monday. So thank you all for joining. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. So we are continuing today with our NFL season previews. So two weeks back, now it has been, uh, we previewed the AFC West division, Broncos, uh, Chargers, Chiefs, and Raiders. Today we're flip-flopping to the NFC side. We'll be talking about the NFC West, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, and Cardinals. So of course we have these Super Bowl champs, LA Rams, and three teams going into this season, Seahawks, Niners, and Cardinals who all have huge questions going into this season and going into training camp in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to talk about what they did in the offseason, what to expect from them this season, what to look out for, what we're personally watching um, out for as we get closer to training camp, some positional uh, battles that are happening right now, how the roster is going to shake up, those type of things, and also some ongoing situations, uh, which of course we'll be having to talk about today. So thank you all for joining. Thank you all for tuning in. Those of you live on YouTube at the Slaw Sports Show, uh, those of you who are even checking this out in the podcast afterwards past the live um, video, thank you as well for tuning in to the um, at Slaw Sports Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get a podcast. If you're listening on the go on the podcast, thank you as well. Uh, huge support as always on the channel. So I appreciate you, all of you guys. And if you're live on YouTube or watch this on YouTube afterwards, like and subscribe. Uh, why not? I mean, if you like the content, you keep coming back you know, over and over again to the channel, want to see more in the future, support is key. So like and subscribe to the channel as well. We'll greatly appreciate it. But let's continue on. So we're going to be starting, like I said, NFC West today. Um, looking forward for the rest of the week. We, of course, will be doing another show um, later this week, like we said earlier. That show will be breaking down the AFC East, Buffalo Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and the New England Patriots will be later on this week, and then we'll keep it hopefully back on schedule um, through the remainder of the divisions on a weekly basis, try to get back on the groove of it. But today, like I said, let's start with the NFC West, and if you're going to start with the NFC West, you got to start with the champs, because if you, you know, you can't beat them. You know, until you can prove otherwise, they are the champs. So we're going to start with them today. The L.A. Rams is where we'll be starting and kicking off today. So the Los Angeles Rams, like I said, Super Bowl champions, um, you know, won it in their home stadium, Sophie Stadium, uh, back in February against the Cincinnati Bengals. Going into this season, the big question for the L.A. Rams is, can they do it again? Can they put back the perfect recipe, run it back for another year, I mean, pretty much brought back the whole entire same team. You know, we talked about two years back, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the first teams to bring back all 22 starters. The Rams were close. They got pretty close. You know, they lost some people to retirement, uh, lost some guys in free agency looking to fill some holes. But for the most part, 
their core is still established and they even got in some help in free agency as well on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that we'll talk about but the big thing is their big three that led them to a title last year head coach sean mcveigh quarterback matthew stafford in his first season and wide receiver cooper cup who had one of the most unbelievable wide receiver seasons in nfl history so the question is can these three do it again you know the cores around them you know all the other difference makers and you know positional guys that they're going to need um, to fill out a roster to hopefully go for another Super Bowl run. But it's all on these three, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, and Sean McVay. Can they do it again? Now, for Cooper Cup's standpoint, we don't need him to have the record-breaking triple ground season he had last season yet again for another year, but still be the reliable number one option of this offense. Can he do that consistently and for another year in a row? If you ask the fantasy football managers right now drafting in the first round, they believe so. Drafting Cooper Cup as high as one, even you know two, even one. Uh, you know, first overall pick, and he's easily going top three picks in fantasy football drafts right now. Uh, is Cooper Cup, which it's a surprise to me because I'm very much leaning on the side that's saying no. Is he going to have that crazy, ridiculous season yet again? I don't think so, and it's because I think he's going to have more help uh, this season to talk about. Uh, you talk about the L.A. Rams in particular. They have a pretty stacked wide receiver room going into this season. Now, they did have one last year, especially adding in Odell Beckham Jr. late toward the end of the season. But even so now, adding in Allen Robinson in free agency, you saw him on uh, the main graphic on the thumbnail. Allen Robinson coming in this season from the Chicago Bears for the first time in his career actually has a competent quarterback throwing him the ball in Matthew Stafford. But Allen Robinson teams up with Cooper Cup and the rest of this wide receiver room, which also includes uh, Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson this year might be the guy that breaks out on this offense. Last year, Cooper Cup. I think this year, Van Jefferson is that guy as a number three receiver we have to pay attention to as being the breakout guy. We know what Allen Robinson can do. He's going to be a consistent guy as he has been his entire career. Maybe a little bit of an upside with a you know higher level quarterback throwing him the ball. Cooper Cup, I think, regresses from last year. Van Jefferson might be the guy that breaks out of his potential this season um, and ups, you know, has an uptick in his role, uptick in his stats, and his impact on this team, in my opinion. And we also cannot rule out the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. Once he returns from that ACL tear suffered in the Super Bowl in that first half of that game. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. in that game was on deck to be Super Bowl MVP in the Super Bowl, the way that, you know, the start he had to that game until he went down with that ACL tear. You know, in the second quarter, I believe it was, right before halftime, he went down. And he is now rehabbing, you know, going through that process of trying to get back. And it seems like he's not really talking to any teams. You know, he's going to see who comes and talks to him. But he has been in a lot of contact, it seems, it seems, from all the reports out there with the L.A. Rams. So I think a reunion happens once Odell Beckham is cleared to play, once he's, you know, medically cleared to come back onto the field. I think we see a reunion with the L.A. Rams. So then you have a wide receiver group of Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham Jr., and Van Jefferson. Like I said, a stacked four group at wide receiver. Um, you know, looking four deep, one of the best in the National Football League. We talked about the Chiefs two weeks ago having the best five deep wide receiver room. The Rams might have the best four deep. Um, you, you know, look past that um, fourth guy in Van Jefferson if they add back Odell Beckham Jr. But nevertheless. A stacked wide receiver room the LA Rams are bringing to the table this season to try to run it back for yet another year surrounding Matthew Stafford in his second year going into the offense with head coach Sean McVay. So that's what to, you know what to look forward to on the offense. Now let's talk about the defense of the LA Rams. And outside 
of the addition of Bobby Wagner. And, you know, if you talk about the outside of Bobby Wagner, a guy who's been an all-pro linebacker, multi-time Pro Bowl, one of the best overall you know players at his position, um, coming over from a rival divisional team in the Seattle Seahawks, a shocking release by the Seahawks last year, now going to the Rams. Outside of that addition, the same pretty much group on defense. And what we mean by the same pretty much group, the best player in his position in Aaron Donald and the best player in his position in Jalen Ramsey, arguably at cornerback. Uh, we got to watch it on the Jalen Ramsey talk here with the Packers uh, fan and bias on my side. But, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, no doubt about it, is a heck of a ball player. And at times, I have my beast with him. Um, but, at you know, at the root of it, he is still a top three player at his position. No doubt, you know, maybe even the best when you look at it at some instances. But Aaron Donald, by far and by large, the best defensive player in the National Football League at defensive tackle, the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL based on his new contract. So that defense still looks stacked, and we'll pull up the rest of what they got um, on that defensive side of the ball for the LA Rams. So Troy Hill, Robert Rochelle, David Long, Darion Kendrick, a guy that they added, is their cornerback depth. Uh, Darion Kendrick coming in uh, through the draft at safety. You still got Jordan Fuller, still got Taylor Rapp being the starters with Trell Burgess and Nick Scott behind them. Good depth there as well um, in that back end of that secondary. Bobby Wagner teaming up with Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones is a guy who was very underrated, in my opinion, um, at the linebacker position. Great story as well for him coming in uh, to this season at linebacker. So two good inside linebackers. Still got Justin Hollins, Leonard Floyd, Terrell Lewis, all of those type of guys at the ed- edge rusher position. And then in the middle, Ashawn Robinson, Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, Ernest Brown, Bobby Brown, all still pretty much, you know, that's a great core on the defensive side of the ball. They're deep at a lot of positions. They have star talent at multiple positions where you would want them to. They're great. They're set up defensively, and the Rams are overall pretty a stacked team when you look at offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, and there's a lot to like, again, about the Rams going into this season, which is why they're one of the favorites and arguably might be the favorite out of this NFC conference this year to make it to yet another Super Bowl, make it back-to-back, uh, potentially in L.A., it could happen. I mean, the way they're shaking out going into the season, the Rams are very happy with where they're at. But one big concern and one big problem is replacing some core guys up front on that offensive line, uh, the big boys, losing Andrew Whitworth at left, uh, left tackle to retirement and losing Austin Corbett at right guard. That is what I'm paying attention to going into training camp for the LA Rams. How do they fill those two positions and those two holes up front will ultimately determine this team's outcome this season. So let's look at filling in left tackle. Um, You know, they're very high on Joe Noteboom, who right now is on paper to be the starter at left tackle. Also had Chandler Brewer behind him. I don't think there there's going to be much competition. It's just whether or not can Joe Noteboom at left tackle be able to replace what Andrew Whitworth was able to provide for that team for multiple years, his entire career pretty much, in uh, L.A., even back in St. Louis. But with the Rams, will Noteboom be able to establish the same level of consistency at left tackle that Andrew Whitworth possessed uh, with this team for his entire career? And then at right guard, the battle between Bobby Evans and Logan Bruss. Logan Bruss, a high draft pick by the Rams. They're actually their first draft pick in last um, April's drafts. Um, in the 2022 draft that was their first draft pick Logan Bruss out of Wisconsin and there's still some reports that maybe he's not ready that maybe they haven't seen what they like so far early out through the minicamp process through 
OTAs, when it comes to training camp, when it comes toward preseason games, that's when they're going to get their answer between Bobby Evans and Logan Bruss. Who's going to end up being the guy to take the starting job at right guard and fill in for Austin Corbett will be a big thing to see come training camp. And the other thing, once they get to playing time with the LA Rams that I'm personally um, invested in with this Rams team is going to be the running back share between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson Jr. Because we know how much they were trying and pushing to get Cam Akers back, made a you know ridiculously fast recovery from his injury last year, made it back in time for the playoffs, had a big role and impact in the Super Bowl as well, got a lot of you know snaps in the Super Bowl. And then you think about um, Daryl Henderson. I mean, they like using Daryl Henderson a lot in this offense. He does a lot of things for them, does a lot of things for Sean McVay. But I'm interested because what I'm seeing a lot of and reading a lot of out of their camp and out, you know their mini camp process, their OTAs from LA, is they're using a lot of Cam Akers, which I've seen a lot of from fantasy football analysts and experts on Twitter as well. A lot of people saying not to fade Cam Akers just because of Daryl Henderson. In fact, do the opposite. Target Cam Akers in your fantasy football drafts. But I'm still concerned of the impact that Daryl Henderson will have in this running back room. How much of a share is he going to have? Uh, in the carries and the snap counts third down situations or are they just going to try to workhorse cam Akers, who's coming off a big injury from last year they already rushed him to recover from that injury i don't see him early on being that workhorse back i think maybe he gets that level toward the halfway point of the season and from that point on but i think once it starts out you do see a little bit of a share between Akers and daryl henderson in this offense to try to keep a guy healthy because they know what's at stake uh, they know what the future holds for this team. That's going to be a deep playoff run. So they're going to want to keep their backs you know, healthy and refreshed throughout the entire season. So that's what I'm interested in. Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, even some Kyron Williams as well. How much they work him into the offense will be a big thing to think, keep in mind this year uh, with Sean McVay. But ultimately, you know, the receivers they have, what they plan on doing with the offense, what we saw from this offense late last season into the playoffs, Sean McVay is going to be passing the ball a lot. Let Matthew Stafford work in this offense and do what he does best. So maybe it might not even matter. I mean, you talk about the running back share. Maybe it's like 13 carries a game, potentially, from the LA Rams. We don't really know what's going to happen here uh, with this offense and Sean McVay going into year two with Matthew Stafford at the helm, um, especially with the new additions at wide receiver and potential, you know, also addition at wide receiver with um, Odell Beckham Jr. potentially being on the way back. But either way, Rams are stocked and ready for another go at it for a potential Super Bowl run this season, and that is what you should expect. So season preview, LA Rams, same thing they did last year, a deep playoff run with a shot at going for a Super Bowl win. Next up, we'll go to our team number two, and that's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about it two weeks ago, last time we did a show, Russell Wilson is gone. He is now let's riding with the Denver Broncos. So now the big question remains in the Seattle Seahawks, who's going to be the new leader of this team? Who's going to be the franchise guy in Seattle? And a lot of people expected DK Metcalf to take on that role when uh, Russell Wilson was traded. So far, it's not looking like DK Metcalf's going to be that guy. DK Metcalf still holding out for a new contract, still has not reported for the Seattle Seahawks. Him and the front office are going neck and neck over a new contract. And what's going to happen? I mean, is DK going to get traded before the start of the season once we get into training camp and he's still holding out? 
Or are they going to iron something out, get something on the table for DK Metcalf? You know, an athletic freak, an athletic phenom in the National Football League. But statistically, DK Metcalf has struggled at times. Uh, catching on in the National Football League, catching on, you know, just consistently at a high level that you would expect out of a guy out of his caliber. But we just saw his best friend and former teammate, A.J. Brown, get a trade and a huge contract. Do we see that now out of DK Metcalf or does he get the bag in Seattle? That is the main question and the main worry right now in Seattle. And honestly, they have two of them. But number one has to be figuring out what to do with DK Metcalf. Because without DK Metcalf, you have no franchise guy. You know, no one really thinks of Tyler Lockett as great and consistent as he has been his entire career. No one thinks of Tyler Lockett as being a franchise guy in this team. Right now, the best guy they have to do that is going to be DK Metcalf, and they've got to get him locked up. So DK Metcalf, you know, you talk about what it could take to get him on a new contract and what it could take for a potential contract extension. Well, PFF underscore Brad did a contract projection um, and predicted contract for DK Metcalf. A massive $130 million contract is his projection for DK Metcalf, a five-year deal worth $130 million uh, for DK. Personally, I see more of a four-year contract at the you know roughly $25 million plus year range, and so maybe a $110 million contract on four years is personally what I see for DK Metcalf. I don't see you locking him in on a five-year deal. I think a four-year deal, give him his due, might be enough to convince him to stay, give him some guaranteed money, which is the big thing now. But four to five years, uh, somewhere from that 110 to 130 range, you know, that's where the current market is for these top tier wide receivers. That's a contract prediction. You would have to think of somewhere in those two ranges uh, for DK Metcalf if he re-signs with Seattle. Or even if he gets traded to a different team, that's still what you would have to think is in play for him signing a new extension going forward. So whether it's in Seattle or somewhere else is going to be the question here in the next couple of weeks that the Seahawks have to answer. Number two on the Seahawks agenda, what are you going to do at quarterback? Because I don't think right now your quarterback of this season, with the age that Pete Carroll is at as your head coach, your quarterback cannot be Geno Smith or Drew Locke. And that is what they're entering into camp in. Those two battling it out for the number one quarterback spot in Seattle, which for a long time now has been held by Russell Wilson. Like I said, now being traded to the Denver Broncos, leaving Geno Smith and Drew Locke coming over to that uh, Seahawks team from that Broncos trade. They're the two battling it out. And maybe Pete Carroll does the same thing. I mean, as it stands right now, he did with Russell Wilson in his rookie year back in, I think, 2010, where he battled it out throughout the preseason in order to earn the starting job um, over, I believe, Matt Castle, maybe. Whatever the case, Russell Wilson, during that preseason, had to win the job in the preseason to be the starting quarterback his rookie season after being drafted from the Seahawks. I think that similar scenario that Pete Carroll followed in 2010 is going to be the same scenario he follows this year uh, with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. If those two are still the quarterbacks on the roster going into the preseason, I think you'll have those two make multiple opportunities to start the game, different situations, put one in or the other to see which one you like to be your starting quarterback going into week one. However, the big thing remains right now is what happens with the Cleveland Browns because the Seahawks are still interested and have mutual interest with the player in Baker Mayfield. 
So that's the big headline coming out this week. Rams, or excuse me, Seahawks still interested in Baker Mayfield. And are they going to pursue a trade to get him? Because he easily, far, you know, far and away is an immediate upgrade over any quarterback that they currently have on their roster and will easily be your starter going in to week one. So does a Baker Mayfield trade get worked out and ironed out here in the next few weeks? That's going to be another one to look at going forward for this team. So Baker Mayfield, does he make his way to the Seattle Seahawks? Or you know what happens with the Cleveland Browns and their entire quarterback scenario? We're going to let that one play out um, until we do our season preview uh, where the Browns hopefully get some more answers on that front going forward in the next few weeks. But as for now, is a Baker Mayfield trade to the Seattle Seahawks heating up? Or will they go into camp and the preseason with a battle between Drew Locke and Geno Smith? That's what the Seahawks are currently looking at on offense, as well as the DK Metcalf holdout extension or trade scenario as well for him. Next up on the offense, uh, before we you know jump over to the defensive side of the ball, we also got to talk about the running back position real quick, just because there's a little bit of some controversy there as well to discuss uh, looking forward to this season. Last year, Rashad Penny came out of nowhere and was an absolute beast. The last few weeks of the season had you know multiple 100-yard games toward the end of the season, had a couple games with multiple touchdowns. He was breaking runs like crazy with a lot of people wondering, can he take over and be the guy next year in this backfield for the Seattle Seahawks? Well, we'll see. I mean, because the Seahawks went out in the draft in April and drafted Kenneth Walker III early in the draft last year, I believe second-round pick um, out of Michigan State. So what kind of impact will Kenneth Walker have in this running back room, or will it be the Rashad Penny workhorse role uh, for him? So I think Walker works in a little bit in the passing game um, and eventually starts taking over some carries and they realize the potential they have in him. But there was a lot to like out of Rashad Penny last year, and of course you want to put him back on the field as early as possible to see if that's still going to hold true what we saw at the end of last season. So Rashad Penny... Kenneth Walker, maybe a potential return here. I mean, it's kind of unlikely, but you never know. A late return in the season of Chris Carson, maybe in this backfield as well, could try to help boost this team a little bit. Uh, but overall, offensively, right now all you have is Tyler Lockett to really look forward to if you're a Seahawks fan. Oh, reliable Tyler Lockett in that offense. So now let's go to the defensive side of the ball and break down what they have over there. On you know on that side, Jamal Adams still the core leader of that defense, um, but is a very young roster behind him. Um, you know behind Jamal Adams leading the way, and also the big thing for the Seahawks team is the cornerback depth, and it's something you wanted to see improve from the Seahawks this season, and it wasn't going into the offseason. Right now, I mean they got Sidney Jones the fourth leading the way as their you know top cornerback on their roster. They got Trey Brown maybe end up being slotted in as a starter behind them. Then you have Justin Coleman, Artie Burns, and Tarky Woolen, um, their draft pick from the, you know, rookie draft pick from this season, uh, going into the season as well. Yikes. I mean, that is not a good depth at all you would want to have at the cornerback position. And it was an issue they had last year, an issue they knew they needed to fix going into this year, and it's not one that they were able to do when you talk about the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but, you know, like I said, still have... Um, Jamal Adams still have Quandre Diggs two very solid safeties um, that are commanding that team uh, still have Jordan Brooks at linebacker like I said a young guy there um, outside linebacker 
Uh, you still have uh, L.J. Collier, but also you know you got um, Daryl Taylor as well, and you also have um, Uchina Nwusu coming in. And Uchina Nwusu wants a big role. Um, I was reading this week coming into the Seattle Seahawks team from what he had uh, in the past, going into a new team now this season in Seattle. Uh, Uchina Nwusu wants a big role uh, with the Seahawks, and honestly, the way that they're primed on their you know defensive line. And at that edge rusher position, he might get that. Uh, but, you know, they also got Quentin Jefferson and Puna Ford at defensive tackle. You also could slide in uh, Shelby Harris in there eventually, uh, going over from that trade uh, from the Denver Broncos. But ultimately, a lot of young players on that defensive side of the ball for the LA, or excuse me, for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and honestly, it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Um, young guys, you know, you got Jamal Adams leading them, you know, leading them. I'm not that high on Jamal Adams as a player or a leader on that defensive side of the ball, and it, but he is their guy right now. With no more Bobby Wagner, it's all on Jamal Adams' shoulder to bring these you know band of young guys with not much depth behind them and try to do something this season. So ultimately, season previews uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, I'm not expecting it to be a good year unless Baker Mayfield comes and revitalizes this team in the next few weeks and you know comes into training camp. And just brings his whole energy and a newfound, hopeful leadership to his game. I'm not that hopeful of the Seattle Seahawks this season. I don't think they'll do very well. I don't think they reach even maybe the six win mark will be a stretch even for the Seattle Seahawks. So season preview for the Seahawks is going to be tough. But first and foremost, you got to figure out the DK Metcalf situation. And then you're, turn your attention to what you're going to do at quarterback. Are you going to make an upgrade? Are you going to roll with Geno Smith? and true lock battling it out going into training camp that is your two priorities right now if you're the seattle seahawks so now let's go to our next team of the day uh, for our nfc west breakdown season previews and that is going to be the san francisco 49ers so the 49ers, this will be a big team to discuss as well uh, big changes going into this team is now quarterback one season for Trey Lance last year's third round pick they put a lot of capital on the table to go up and select Trey Lance out of North Dakota State and the San Francisco 49ers are finally turning over the reins so it's finally Trey Lance time which means Jimmy Garoppolo what does the future hold for him in San Francisco so it seems like Trey talk should start start you know should start to be heating up uh, here in the couple of weeks, maybe a trade to the Carolina Panthers, I think, is in the future um, for the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. But ultimately, that shoulder surgery he had, you know, I think before the draft really put it, you know, a hold on things to figure out how healthy he is he going to be, how healthy is that shoulder. They don't really know until, he, you know, he starts going through the rehab process. But it seems to be going well so far with the reports came out uh, late last week and a little bit over the weekend that Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be soon to be getting that clear um, on things and we'll start seeing the trade talks start heating back up leading up to training camp and honestly I think the only team out there on the market is the Carolina Panthers the Panthers and the Seahawks are the only two teams with quarterback questions going into training camp and I don't think the Seahawks and the Niners agree on a trade to send a, especially a quarterback inside the division so I think the Carolina Panthers might be the team to watch out for for Jimmy Garoppolo. The other big thing 
before we get to Trey Lance, Debo Samuel. What are the Niners going to do with Debo Samuel? Debo Samuel finally reported to practice, but his trade request still stands. He has not rescinded his trade request. He still is having contract disputes with the team, still hasn't gotten an extension, similar to what we just talked about with DK Metcalf. But Debo Samuel means more and does more to his team by far than DK Metcalf does to the Seattle Seahawks. So you would have to think he is way more valuable to get back under contract, especially with the depth that the Niners have at the wide receiver position. Debo Samuel is your offense if you're the San Francisco 49ers. And going into this season with a new quarterback in Trey Lance, you know, making his first full season debut, and you're wanting to see what he can do after putting all that capital into him in last year's draft, you have to have DK Met- or excuse me, Debo Samuel. You have to have Debo Samuel on that team on that roster by training camp to start working with Trey Lance and get back in the fold with this offense. So the San Francisco 49ers, while Debo seems to be done, seems to be not willing to come back to the team, you have to do something. Value him like the receiver that he is. I think, and you know, I saw something that they maybe they're potentially valuing him like a running back more than what he was. Debo Samuel is an offensive specialist. That's what he is to your team. He is your offensive X factor on this team. Pay him accordingly. Get him back on contract and back with your quarterback. Otherwise, this season is not going to go the way that you are hoping for. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, you will tremendously take a step backwards without Debo Samuel in this offense. So now let's go back to the Trey Lance. Trey Lance QB1 season. This, for one, is one I'm excited about. I had in the bio on Twitter all year long last year, start, please start, Trey Lance. And it's finally the time. Trey Lance is slated, no competition around him, to be the starter in San Francisco. So the time is finally upon us for the Trey Lance era in Seattle, or excuse me, in San Francisco. And it's one that I, for one, am excited about. I was very high on Trey Lance in last year's draft. Slayed him at three all along to the San Francisco 49ers. Pretty much one of the only ones in the media that was fully, fully certain that he will end up in the Bay Area. And he did. And now it is time to see Trey Lance in action. See him fully have all the reins, no restrictions, you know, everything off of his shoulder to be the starting quarterback of this team. His time is now. So the dual threat guy, you know, you know, you talk about all the things we saw last year and also the things going back to North Dakota State. You run the ISOs with them, similar to what the uh, Buffalo Bills, pretty much what the Buffalo Bills do with Josh Allen. You can do that with Trey Lance. Run the ISOs, run him up the middle, and use him in the run game. And also has that big cannon arm to launch deep ball after deep ball. He's great over the middle. He's, you know, will fit in great with George Kittle. You hopefully try to get Brandon Ayuk back up to the speed in this offense. And then you have to have the X factor, like I said, in DK Metcalf for this offense to truly work at its full potential. With Trey Lance at quarterback, you've got to have Tebow Samuel in this offense. So get him under contract, get him back, and then Trey Lance will have everything in his you know potential to prove himself in this offense. But what does that mean for the team? I mean, everyone talked about while Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the flashiest guy, why he didn't have all the traits. Jimmy Garoppolo won. And that's going to be the big question for Trey Lance. Can Trey Lance win games at the caliber 
that Jimmy Garoppolo did leading this team at quarterback. You know, talk about three straight playoff bursts, um, a Super Bowl, an NFC Championship game, I believe. N- yeah, last year NFC Championship game, uh, lost the year before, and then this year, or actually two years ago, three years ago in the Super Bowl. There we go. Doing our math right there. But the Niners, I mean, they were playoff after playoffs uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now with Trey Lance leading this team, that's the kicker. Can Trey Lance lead this team and get this team to the same amount of wins as they're used to, or will they regress in the first year under Trey Lance? That's question number two for this team. After Actually, question number three. After Debo Samuel and after a trade of Jimmy Garoppolo is completed, now you have what can Trey Lance do leading this team this season. The other thing on the offensive side of the ball is what's the competition going to look like in the running game? Kyle Shanahan loves his running back by committee, always has, always will. It's a staple of the Kyle Shanahan offense in San Francisco. This year, the running back room going into it will be Elijah Mitchell slated as the current starter um, with also um, Davis Price, the rookie running back coming in, um, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Trey Sermon, the rookie uh, from last year going into his second season. Second season for Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon with also Jeff Wilson Jr., a guy who has been in this offense for a while now in multiple years, the established guy in this offense that they like to use from time to time. And then the rookie in Davis Price that they have a lot of high hopes on, uh, trying to carry some some load this season and, you know, carry some load from Niner's standpoint of getting a lot of these uh, potentials um, and opportunities out of this committee backfield. So what does that competition look like? Um, you know, what is it the share going to be? Pretty much, I think it's going to be how we listed it. Um, it seems like Trey Sermon is still in that Kyle Shanahan dog pound uh, I don't think we're going to see very much of him. Jeff Wilson Jr., like I said, is a guy they like a lot. They're going to use, him, you know, try to use him and sprinkle him in as much as they can. But by, you know, what I think the two main things will be will be Davis Price and uh, Elijah Mitchell. Those two guys working in tandem, um, you know, flip flopping. I would say every other game of who's going to get the more carries. But I do think they use a lot of Davis Price as a rookie in his rookie season along with Elijah Mitchell with a few splashes of Jeff Wilson Jr. is how I see that running back uh, committee shaping up this season in San Francisco. So a flip-flop, Elijah Mitchell, Davis Price, by those two guys uh, for fantasy football owners. Davis Price will come at a lot more bargain than Elijah Mitchell will, and I think we'll have the same, if not more, impact in the running game with Kyle Shanahan. So also, uh, real quick, I talked about Trey Lance, how he you know has a big advantage and strong suit throwing into the middle of the field George Kittle can George Kittle return to his positional dominance in the middle of the field in this offense being the leader pretty much is what he was of this offense in George Kittle can he return to that at a healthy consistent full season level that is what the Niners need because no question about it the Niners are are easily a better team when George Kittle is on the field than when he's off it. So the San Francisco 49ers are going to have to find a way to keep George Kittle healthy this season, keep him under wraps, and keep him producing at a high dominant positional level like we know he can. I'm talking, you know, tight end two, tight end one in fantasy football. That George Kittle. The Niners get him back. 
they are in good shape. You know, get that level, a full season of that type of George Kittle back in this offense and get Debo Samuel back under the fold, this offense will take off in San Francisco under Trey Lance at quarterback. So that being said, that is the offense of the San Francisco 49ers. Pretty much same group up front. They've always had a great offensive line. Trent Williams at left tackle is one of the best in the game at left tackle. And, you know, his contract serves him right at that position. So they got that one, uh, that one figured out there as well. So offensive line uh, looks to hold up for this Kyle Shanahan uh, West Coast, you know, run outside uh, wide run offense that they like to run. And then now adding in the big arm in Trey Lance and the also dual threat ability that he possesses in this offense. Just keep keep Debo Samuel. Pay the man. Anyways, let's turn our attention to the defense. Defense again being led by Fred Warner at linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. Still have Aziz Al-Shahir. Also, and you know, Dre Greenlaw, Oren Burks, Jeremiah Gimmel. Great, great inside linebacker depth that they have in San Francisco this season. Nick Bosa and D Ford on that defensive line. You're also adding in a rookie in Drake Jackson. Um, one that I liked a lot in the process. I like the value of him um, at the you know edge rusher position. Uh, maybe he can get some opportunities in, a rookie, in his rookie year in year one with the 49ers. But he will be battling out with D Ford and Nick Bosa, two guys at the top of their game at the position. Um, in the middle of the defense line, still got Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead running it back. Pretty much same group on the front seven uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Starter-wise, in the secondary, um, in the back end, Jimmy Ward. And then you got George Odom at safety. And then at cornerback, Chardavius Ward, Emmanuel Mosey, Jason Verrett, Demador Lenore and Kadar Holman. That depth in San Francisco will be tested at the cornerback position. They were tested heavily last year, lost a lot of guys in that secondary last year. And honestly, the way their depth is shaken out right now, it's going to be scary if guys start going down in the secondary again for the San Francisco 49ers. That depth in the secondary, again, for the second year in a row, honestly, for a couple years now in San Francisco, it will be tested. And it will be tested to see how well they can hold up in the NFC if the Niners want to make it back to another playoffs, want to make it on another playoff run, you know, win a couple games once they get into it. Jardavius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Barrett. These guys are proven players in the National Football League, but none of them are stars none of them are you know guys that you are consistently worried about throwing the ball to if you're a quarterback they're guys that when you need them to can be serviceable but they're not game-changing guys and if those guys start going down your depth is going to be hurt at that position at that unit of this defense so for another year in a row we always talk about it time and time again with the Niners that secondary depth that quarterback depth will be tested throughout the entire season to see how well they can hold up and perform week after week. And it will be the deciding standpoint of this team. If their offense is rolling smoothly, their offense is doing great, it doesn't matter once you're facing top teams who can pass the ball and pick this defense apart. The run defense will handle itself. They will absolutely stuff the run time and time again on this defense, and especially in the run game, do the same part of pounding it down your throat over and over again, commanding, strangling style of offense that Kyle Shanahan runs. None of that will matter if teams can make big plays 
and game-changing plays in the passing game against this you know you got, you know depth-deprived secondary that they have. They will be tested again in San Francisco in that secondary, and that's one that they're going to have to consider and think about going into the season if they try to make any additions there. Still, some guys out there, a lot of valuable free agents still available that potentially San Francisco can dip into um, in this secondary unit to just make sure that they are secure and ready to go next season uh, for a long uh, season potential that they could have in the first year under Trey Lance. So one more team to talk about, and then we'll wrap it up with our season preview for the NFC West, and that is going to be the Arizona Cardinals. We see it here, Arizona Cardinals, our final team of the day to discuss, and a big thing for them. Third time in a row. Contract situations. This time, quarterback contract situation time. Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals. Will they iron out a deal to get him back under wraps? He's due for his money. But the question is, how much will he get? And that's the ongoing battle right now with the Cardinals. It seems like Kyler Murray wants to stay in Arizona. Arizona obviously wants to keep him there as their quarterback. All of the tea leaves and smoke everywhere about this situation on Twitter, on social media, all the random reports out there of this team, you know, maybe not liking Kyler Murray, maybe not trusting Kyler Murray to lead this team um, in deep playoff runs and, you know, saying that there are some issues last year in the playoffs. What will it be this time? This extension, you think, will take place. You'd have to think that they're going to get him back. But what is that extension actually going to look like? Because the big thing right now and the big number that a lot of people are discussing is the Deshaun Watson contract. The five-year, $230 million record-breaking, fully guaranteed contract that the Cleveland Browns gave to Deshaun Watson. That is the number that these young quarterbacks are now looking at. And you have to think, with Lamar Jackson, a player that we'll uh, catch up and talk about uh, in the coming weeks on the channel here discussing the ASU uh, North and the Baltimore Ravens in that situation. Lamar Jackson in an ongoing dispute with that team. He is going to get, you would have to think, that kind of money on a new contract in Baltimore. But what about Kyler Murray? A guy who has yet to win a playoff game, only been to one playoffs, I believe, and that was this past season, losing in the first round to the LA Rams. You know, he's been a multi-time pro bowler, but has he truly done enough in his short career to warrant a huge 200 plus, you know, 230 plus contract, million dollar contract for multiple years? Is that what we see from Kyler Murray? And is he worth that much money? Because you'd have to think that's what him and his agent right now are asking from the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are wondering, is he worth it? Is he worth that much money as our starting quarterback? Going back to it, the PFF Brad... Uh, writing for ESPN, projected Kyler Murray's contract extension to be six years worth $280 million, including $155 million in total guarantees, a player average of nearly $46.2 million a year. So flying past the $230 million given to Deshaun Watson on a five-year deal, worth more per year on average. Uh, you know, Watson's sitting there. Um, I believe at 46 million um, annual per year, 
Kyler Murray's would be 46.7. So yeah, topping Deshaun Watson's contract in a per year. Not quite the crazy guarantees that Watson got, of course, you'd have to think, for Kyler Murray. But does he actually get a six-year contract worth that much money? That's going to be ha- what's going to be happening to see uh, going forward. Because that has to be the beginning price that Kyler Murray and his team have to be demanding right now from the Arizona Cardinals. That's you know pretty much, I would say, the lowest that they can go. If you're that side... And the other side with the Cardinals, are they willing to pay Kyler Murray that much money to be their starting quarterback going forward? That's their question that they now have to think about and answer going into training camp. Kyler Murray is not, you know, holding out like the other two guys we discussed. I mean, with, you know, Debo Samuel now back at practice, but started out holding out at minicamp. Kyler Murray has been at practice, been with the team. They're trying to get this deal ironed out. That's why I feel like this one will happen, um, you know, at some point, I would say in August. Maybe we see it next month in July. Uh, but this deal will be done at uh, some point in training camp. The question will just be, how much do they actually agree upon? Will he top that Deshaun Watson contract is going to be the question. I'm fine with a six-year deal for Kyler Murray. Um, I think it may be more of a five-year deal. Uh, but whatever the case, five or six years, um, somewhere of that upwards of $200 million range is my belief. I don't think he passes Deshaun Watson. I think somehow the Cardinals get that number down. Um, I just I don't think he's worth it. Uh, right now, what we've seen from Kyler Murray leading this team, I don't think he's worth what some of these other guys are that are proven playoff contenders and won playoff games in their career, winning big games and big moments. That's what we need to see out of Kyler Murray before he gets that kind of money. We're still going to get a huge deal in the coming months leading up to the start of the season, and he will be back in Arizona. So with that being said, let's talk about his weapons that he'll be throwing to once he returns, getting this contract situation figured out. No DeAndre Hopkins. Right now, a six-year or excuse me, six-week suspension on DeAndre Hopkins. He's still trying to battle that out right now. To, you know, get that number down. Maybe a four-week suspension is his hopeful. I think it stays at a six-week suspension for him, which means the new incoming guy and we still final guy to talk about that we saw in our thumbnail, Marquise Brown. What kind of impact will Hollywood Brown have in Arizona coming over from the Baltimore Ravens, um, tr- you know, trading for him during the draft? We saw Marquise Brown and Kyler Murray hit, uh, linking up and connecting a couple times at practice and at OTAs um, and minicamp, starting to build a little bit of repertoire and connection with the two. It appears Marquise Brown is going to start the season as their number one wide receiver, which means Rondale Moore is going to have a lot to fill in. Cliff Kingsbury saying that he will be taking over the Christian Kirk role who left in free agency, signed it for a lot, a huge, honestly unwarranted deal in Jacksonville. Uh, But Rondell Moore, he's going to have to fill in that Christian Kirk role and play a lot more this season. Uh, Still have AJ AJ Green under contract for this year as well, so still have some depth at the wide receiver position to try to overcome this loss of DeAndre Hopkins. But it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot for this offense in the passing game, not having DeAndre Hopkins on the field, easily a top five wide receiver in the game. Um, even when he's on the field and healthy, he can be even higher than that. Uh, but no doubt about a top five player, his position, they're going to miss him for the first six weeks of the season. Hopefully can survive until he returns and get back on track. They lost him for a little bit of time last year. That really hurt the team You know, down the stretch uh, when they you know were losing Hopkins here and there. He was off the field, on the field. Uh, last season so getting a Hopkins you know healthy Hopkins back post suspension um, you would think going into 
um, after that six-week suspension when he comes back to the team, that's maybe when they can start trying to turn the tide. I think it's a slow start for the Cardinals this year offensively. Um, you're just trying to get under form and under wraps. You know, you got a new receiver coming in, sudden to be your number one guy, and then, you know, waiting the return of DeAndre Hopkins, expecting Rondell Moore to do a lot more than he has done so far in his career um, in this offense. So a lot of things and questions um, in the passing game. What I'm interested in is the running game. You know, the Cardinals brought back uh, James Conner, opted to go with him instead of Chase Edmonds. Edmonds going to uh, Miami, signing for a lot of money over there with Mike McDaniel. Instead, the Cardinals chose to pay James Conner, who has scored touchdown after touchdown for the Arizona Cardinals last season. Rightfully so, in my opinion. I thought he would be the guy to stay out of either one of them. But the depth behind James Conner is severe and severely lacking. I mean, you got Eno Benjamin, Keontae Ingram, and Jonathan Ward behind James Conner. That is a wolf of a depth at the running back position. So, I mean, what is that running back room going to look like past James Conner? Is it ultimately just going to be James Conner? You know, absolute war. I mean, this, this is what I mean by absolute workhorse. I mean, a guy who's going to get probably 30 carries a game every game. Dalvin Cook style workhorse role. Is that what James Conner is going to be faced with this season? I believe that's going to be the case and what to expect for this offense going forward. I mean, like I said, that running back depth chart behind him is a certified wolf behind James Conner. So how are those roles going to be um, handled in that running back room? Who's going to come in off the bench? Um, I think Eno Benjamin, uh, especially at the start of the season, but how much do they use Keontae Ingram in the offense? Benjamin, you would have to expect... um, you know, a guy who's been in this offense for a long time, has worked with uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in this offense. He's going to get some opportunities from time to time, but I do think it's going to be James Conner workhorsing it every single week um, and just ride him as far as you can um, on his new contract. It's going to be the running game, along with Kyler Murray. I mean, you're going to use Kyler Murray as a weapon in the running game as well, and he's going to easily be um, your first your your first or excuse me second maybe first leading rusher in this offense and maybe first I mean he may get more yards uh this season rushing than James Conner does I believe that's easily um in the projection for Kyler Murray this season uh whatever the case it is going to be the James Conner show in this uh run game for the Arizona Cardinals and the guy that they rely on out of the backfield the most um and you know the touchdowns will go his way uh just like they did last year They'll continue this year. He's going to get the touchdowns on the ground and do what he can. Real quick, before we get to the defense, we do have to talk about some offensive line situations with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, DJ Humphreys at left tackle. He's got a big contract year coming up. Uh, what is he going to do? Is he going to get his bag as well? You think he? You would have to think probably he's next in line um, after Kyler Murray to get a new deal on the offensive side of the ball. But r- right now, Ronnie Hudson. What is the deal with Rodney Hudson at center? Is he going to retire? Is he not going to retire? I don't know what's going to happen um, there up front for the Cardinals, but if he is gone, it's a big hole. That is a humongous hole that the Cardinals are going to have on the offensive side of the ball and up front on their offensive side of the line, um, or excuse me, on their offensive line. If Rodney Hudson is not able to play, I mean, they don't have any corner or any you know, true center depth behind Rodney Hudson. Um, and if Rodney Hudson's out of the picture, 
you have to figure out what you're going to do. You're going to move Justin Pugh uh, to center. Then you got to find a new left tackle. A lot of questions to be answered right now with Rodney Hudson to see if he's going to end up playing or not this season at center for the Arizona Cardinals will really determine and shake up how this group looks up front. So now let's go to the defensive side of the ball and start with the defensive line because the Cardinals needed to fill a big hole and didn't this offseason after losing Chandler Jones um, alongside J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt's coming back for another year. But who's going to be uh, you know, opposite of him? On that defensive line, at defensive end, who's going to be opposite of J.J. Watt um, on that defensive line? That's what Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals had to figure out. I mean, it looks like it's going to be Zach um, Allen. You, know, you also got two rookies, Jai Sanders and Cameron Thomas. I think Cameron Thomas probably will get more workload than Sanders will and start getting some snaps. But Zach Allen, another guy that they're really high on who's coming into another contract year on this defensive side of the ball, is slated right now to be that man opposite of J.J. Watt. But at what point do you maybe start looking towards some rookies unless Zach Allen impresses enough to where you're going to start figuring out what kind of deal you can get in place for him. Uh, but also, the other case you have, um, let's see, for the Arizona Cardinals, is going to also be a big contract situation on the back end at safety. What do the Cardinals do at safety? Jalen Thompson. Jalen Thompson seems like he is in a big contract year. Does he get the bag or not? Will be a big thing to see. Um, you know, he's lining up for a contract year, a guy that. Um, the team likes a lot in Jalen Thompson. We're going to try to pull up his stats uh, real quick with what he has done this past season. But at free safety, a guy that they really like a lot. Um, last year had three interceptions, seven pass deflections, over 120 tackles um, combined, solo and assisted. He was all over the field and rightfully should get big money this year from the Arizona Cardinals alongside Buda Baker um, in that back end of that secondary and then Byron Murphy um, at cornerback, still looking like the number one guy. I think Marco Wilson uh, lines up as that number two. Um, even if they try to you know, bring Robert Alford back, I think Marco Wilson last year solidified himself as the starting cornerback and the number two of this defense. And I think next year that will remain to be the case for the Arizona Cardinals. So the big thing, who's going to play opposite J.J. Watt off the edge? And in what kind of year will Jalen Thompson have going into a contract year this year for the Arizona Cardinals. And the other thing real quick, we do have to say uh, with that edge rushing group um, and what is um, at stake with them, we do have to consider um, what impacts uh, they have out of Dennis Gardeck. Um, like I said, Majai Sanders. Uh, but still, you know, Kingsley Kiki, Rashad Lawrence in the middle of that unit. The question is going to be, is it going to be Zach Allen? Is Zach Allen going to be the guy to step up this year, or will one of these rookies have to step up and take over alongside J.J. Watt? On the inside, you know, you're still pretty set um, with Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Outside linebacker, you still got uh, Marcus Golden as well. Who, you know, Marcus Golden could be the guy that they try to move down on the opposite of J.J. Watt as well as things don't work out um, with some of these defensive ends. Um, but Isaiah Collins, or excuse me, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons in the middle of the field. Two athletic, young, um, great tandem at inside linebacker. They're going to see what they can do with Isaiah Simmons. I think you keep him on the roster. I mean, you're going to have to have somebody um, to guard you know, your, your, your George Kittles, especially now your Noah Fance, uh, who is 
you know, Noah Fant set up for a career year as well in Seattle coming over in that trade from Russell Wilson. Um, but even potentially your Travis Kelsey's this season, the big tight ends that you're going to have to worry about, Isaiah Simmons is your type of guy to guard them um, across the middle of the field. He is still there and still in place as well. And Zayvon Collins, um, high hopes entering into his season at inside linebacker as well, continuing on his process. But the Arizona Cardinals, if I had to give my season preview, yeah, you know, we still have our actual rankings and predictions. Um, you know, still a couple weeks out once we finish up these previews. I think the Cardinals regress uh, this season. I think that they're the surprise team you'd see not make the playoffs, if I would have to say. I think they're, you know, one of the first one or two teams out of the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen. But more on that in the next few weeks. That's going to wrap it up for today. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for watching. Breaking down the NFC West season previews going into training camp and going into this season. Thank you all for stopping by on the live stream. And then even now, if you're checking it out um, afterwards on YouTube, thank you as well for checking out um, the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it and hope it was you know informative, helped you break down these teams a little bit more going into this season. If you liked any part of today's episode, hit the like button and subscribe. Even hit the notification bell. Uh, notifies you when we go live. Uh, we got some walkie schedules all the time. Hit that notification bell. It'll let you know when we're live and you can check out the show live um, on YouTube. So, so like, subscribe, and hit that little bell at the top um, as well. If you're on the podcast, thank you for uh, supporting wherever you are um, throughout your day on the Solid Sports Show podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, anywhere you get a podcast. You'll find us at the Saw Sports Show. So that will be up again as well. So thank you all for stopping by. Thank you all for tuning in. 